The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. June 28th edition of PFTOT, just three weeks and six days away from the return of PFT Live. The NFL news never goes away, though. Today's the day that the Deshaun Watson disciplinary hearing commences. Probably has commenced by the time you've seen this. Unlikely that it's over by the time you've seen it, depending upon whether or not the evidence submitted is highly limited in nature. Regardless, we're moving towards some sort of a decision, first by the disciplinary officer, retired federal judge Sue L. Robinson, and then ultimately, if any discipline is imposed by her, the commissioner makes the final decision. The big issue, and I think the thing will, will determine how long this lasts and how involved it is and how upset the NFL may end up being about the process, is whether or not she allows the union to really develop the argument that any punishment of Watson must be in proportion to punishment imposed on the past on other people, specifically owners, specifically Daniel Snyder, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, the Commanders, Patriots, and Cowboys, respectively. If she allows that to be fully developed, evidence to show investigations and decision-making and ultimate suspensions or punishment or whatever was imposed, that opens a can of worms from an evidence standpoint. That slows everything down and the NFL will not be happy about that. The NFL will argue undoubtedly this is only about Watson. This is about what he did or didn't do and what he should or shouldn't have happened to him. And the owners aren't part of the collective bargaining unit. They're a separate universe altogether. The problem is the NFL felt compelled to put in the personal conduct policy, gratuitous language, acknowledging that owners are held to a higher standard. Well, now the union, on behalf of Deshaun Watson, will be holding the league to that language. That's where that all comes from. We'll see where it all goes, but that is a huge factor. Beyond that, look, the NFL believes there's corroborating evidence for at least five of the claims against Deshaun Watson. And this isn't necessarily about whether he did what he's accused of doing. This is about whether he engaged in conduct that violates the policy. There's a couple of catch-all provisions at the bottom of the long list of things that are prohibited that are broad enough to say if the league chooses to do so, and if the disciplinary officer chooses to go along with it, that the mere act of lining up these massages one after another with strangers by all appearances on Instagram and admittedly trying or succeeding or both in having these massages become sexual encounters, that in and of itself is the kind of thing that is a personal conduct policy violation. It's the kind of thing players should be engaged in. It's the kind of thing that puts the NFL, the shield, the teams, the players at risk. And it it's come to fruition. The controversy in the last 15 months shows what the behavior can lead to. That's the proof. It's not may, it did. It not possibly will create issues as it relates to the NFL's integrity in the eyes of fans. It did. That'll be the argument. We'll see where it goes. The complicating factor from Monday, the news that a lawsuit has been filed against the Houston Texans for 
their role in allegedly enabling Deshaun Watson's behavior, providing him with a non-disclosure agreement for use at these private massage sessions. Once they became aware that there may be an issue, somebody was making some noise on Instagram, the reaction wasn't to find out exactly what it is that may have happened and fix the situation and address the deeper problem that may have existed or did exist. It was, here's a way to cover it all up. Here's a way to keep it all quiet. Here's a way to get them to keep their mouths shut if they're not happy about what happens in one of these private massages. Also providing a room at the Houstonian, providing a massage table. The argument is, the Houstons knew or should have known what was happening, and they failed to protect the individuals who became the prey in this effort by Deshaun Watson to find massage therapists who would give him massages and then he would try to steer it towards something more than a massage. Now, it's an aggressive argument, it's an aggressive interpretation of the law because the frontline defense is we're not responsible for the criminal conduct of someone else. We're not responsible for what he did. When he commits a criminal act, that supersedes anything we may have done, and we're not on any sort of obligation to figure out whether or not he's committing crimes. All we know is he's getting these massages, and we're providing him with some material at his request. Depends upon what the current state of Texas law is and how it's developed over the years when it comes to the concept of duty. That's the key. There'll be a legal fight early on in these cases, I believe, and we don't know how many more there will be. Tony Busby, the lawyer who represents these women, say there could be many. First of all, it could be many. The argument will be that the Texans had no legal duty to these individuals who have no relationship to the organization whatsoever. And again, it depends upon what Texas law is. And what will happen is, and there's, I don't want to make this a continuing legal education class, but the law is developed in primarily two ways. One, with some exceptions. One, a legislature passes a law that gets signed into effect by the chief executive, whether it's a governor or the president. The other way the law develops is one case at a time. The rulings that are made in a given case, the reasoning that applies to a given case, becomes relevant to future cases. And that's most of what lawyers do. Because it's either past cases that have evolved interpretations that have been applied to different cases, or a statute, a law that's been passed, and then how it's interpreted by the courts. Lawyers in litigation, for the most part, spend their time arguing on behalf of clients that certain cases that have been decided by relevant courts in the past should be applied a certain way to these facts. And what happens is, sometimes you get a new set of facts. And a new set of facts that cries out for some form of justice can cause the law to get bent in a direction that it hadn't previously bent before. And in Texas, you get a case like this where we, we see that an NDA was given by the Texans to Deshaun Watson. I've seen a copy of the actual NDA. It looks like it came from a subpoena that was served on the Texans by the, the lawyers representing the women suing Deshaun Watson. They had it in their files. This is what we gave him. He's admitted that he got it from them. That, that creates a situation where the law tries to find a remedy. That there's just a visceral sense something was done that shouldn't have been done. So we're gonna find a way through this maze to give this person justice. That, that's how so much of the legal sausage gets made. I remember when I went to law school, I thought it was a formulaic episode. It was objective, that the law was a puzzle to be solved. It's really not. There is a lot of play in the joints 
of this structure that is the law. And good lawyers, when you're asked to go from point A to point B, you can get there a bunch of different ways. And, and really, you're asked to get to point A or point B. You start here, the end result is here or here. A good lawyer can make a compelling argument for either destination. A judge ultimately has to decide which destination is the right one. That's why political affiliation, ideology, it's so important and it goes into a process of electing or appointing judges. What is your mindset? What are your philosophies? It's been relevant for reasons I won't discuss today, but discussed yesterday. What's your mindset? Because your mindset will influence whether or not you work your way through your maze this side or you work your way through the maze and land there. But there's always a way to land wherever you want to land. There's always play. It's very rare that it's black and white and there's no discretion to be exercised. So Texas law, long story bearable, Texas law will go a long way toward determining whether or not the Texans have a duty to these individuals. And if there isn't currently law to the effect that there is a duty, the right judge from the plaintiff's perspective or the wrong judge from the Texans perspective may find, you know what, under these circumstances, there is a duty to these individuals because you knew or you should have known what Deshaun Watson was doing. I think this also complicates Deshaun Watson's situation with the NFL. First of all, it demonstrates this thing is going to continue to linger even if the cases against him are over. These cases go forward with the Texans as the target. And Deshaun Watson may very well be testifying either in person or through videotape depositions that get edited and, and used with the portions that are relevant to a given case. But to the extent that we thought last week that the train was pulling into the station, the, the reality is another train is just pulling out of the station. So all the more reason for the NFL to want an indefinite suspension, it gives it flexibility after this season to decide where everything is and where everything should go from here. It doesn't end Deshaun Watson's involvement in these cases. And this could be an entire new universe of litigation that just continues to drag Deshaun Watson down. And also, also, to the extent that we know owners routinely call the commissioner and complain about things and ask for certain things and want other things. And I can imagine this only increases the temperature of any communications, especially from Houston to Park Avenue regarding what the Texans would like to see happen to Sean Watson because he's made a mess now that they have to pay for. They won't want him playing this year. Hell, they may not want him ever playing again. The question of whether or not Baker Mayfield will ever play again for the Browns is getting closer to being resolved. Mayfield spoke recently for the first time in a while. First time since we saw him on that couch with the dog and the, the guy who's a former hip-hop artist who has period in his name. Is it Mike period? I think it's Mike period. Anyway, we haven't heard much from Baker since then. He expressed frustration that his situation wasn't resolved before mandatory minicamp. He played nice there. He accepted the excused absence. He didn't show up and demand to practice or to be in the weight room, possibly get himself injured and have the Browns on the hook for his full 18.8 million with an opportunity to trade him. That time is ended. Mayfield made clear it's time to move on. And the idea of just getting paid to sit out the season, that's not going to work. You know, one thing I thought the Browns might do is just pay him through the trade deadline and just wait, wait, wait for an opportunity to trade him. Then after the trade deadline, maybe he gives up some of his salary like Odell Beckham did last year and they release him. But from the perspective of a guy who needs to land with a new team, 
get himself properly ensconced, learn the offense, have a big year, and set himself up for a big payday next year. This idea of just spinning your wheels, cooling your jets, collecting your 18.8, that undermines your ability to get paid next year. So if they don't cut him or trade him before training camp opens, I expect him to be there with proverbial bells on, insisting to be involved in everything. So you already got some distractions, Browns. You're going to have another one. Baker Mayfield, I think, is going to be there. He's not going to play along. He's not going to sit at home. He wants this to be done, and he has every right to want it to be done. We've said this consistently, and Sims and I are on the same page with this. We think alike on a lot of things, but especially on this one. Once the Browns decided to pursue Deshaun Watson, they blew up the bridge with Baker Mayfield. So quit trying to have it both ways. Quit trying to get some windfall for Baker Mayfield. It's a sunk cost. The 18.8, just get what you can for the guy. Get someone to pay whatever they will pay. Because at some point, you're just going to have to cut him and pay all but the veteran minimum that he would make somewhere else, $1.035 million. They pay the balance of the $18.8 million minus that veteran minimum salary if and when he's cut. If you can get somebody to pay half, you can get somebody to pay a fourth, a third. Take it. Take what you can get and move on. You've already done your deal with Deshaun Watson. This guy's not playing for you, even though, as I posted over the weekend, and I still firmly believe it's in the best interest of the Browns and Baker Mayfield, if he's not going to, uh, excuse me, if Watson's not going to be on the team this year, if he ends up being suspended the whole season, it's in the best interest of the team and Baker Mayfield for Mayfield to be the quarterback of the Browns in 2022. It's in his best interest. It's in the team's best interest. But that is not happening. And one way to make it happen if the Browns really want to try to mend fences, I suggested this over the weekend, and I still believe it. You offer him some more money, and you offer not to tag him next year and play games with his status. We're going to tag him and trade, whatever the case may be. If you would offer him a few extra million and say, you're our guy this year, we don't have the Sean Watson, let's get along for a year, let's help each other, that would be the only way. Even then, I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to do that. He's ready to move on and start his career anew with another team, and it's hard to blame him. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.
All right, we got some questions, and I have not looked at these. This is old school PFT PM, where I just pull up the questions with no advance notice. So God only knows what I'm about to find here. This is like opening that Christmas present that you don't know whether it's something you wanted or uh, or you know a pair of uh, used socks. Do you think judgment? This is from PFTPM possible. Do you think Judge Robinson is more likely to completely erase the Watson punishment rather than reduce it because she knows that Cadell will undo her decision if it's reduced? I doubt she needs this job. Well, people love assignments like this, first of all. Let me just say she doesn't want to lose this job. She doesn't want to get fired by the league or the union as the end result of her first assignment after two years of not doing anything in this role as disciplinary officer. She's a retired federal judge. She's working for a firm. It's good for her firm to be able to say, oh, did you know? We've got the NFL, NFLPA disciplinary officer as part of our team. I mean, that kind of stuff impresses people. That kind of stuff attracts clients. That's just reality. Oh, oh, well, I'm impressed. Oh, well, I, I, like, I like the cut of your jib, sir. I'm going to retain your firm to provide services to my large and wealthy corporation. So, yeah. She wants this job. Not that she needs the money that comes from it. She likes the, the extra boost that it gives to her and her firm. Helps her earn more money elsewhere. And it just would be embarrassing to get fired after one case, right? And that's the way the CBA reads. After a minimum two-year term, either side can end the relationship with the disciplinary officer on 120 days notice. So I, I guarantee you, Two ways she gets fired by the NFL as a result of this case. One, she, she declares open season on any documents, text messages, testimony, whatever, as it relates to this effort to prove that owners have gotten a slap on the wrist or less for misconduct. Two, she finds no discipline whatsoever. Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong, no violation of the personal conduct policy, cutting off the ability of Roger Goodell to impose whatever discipline he would want. She does either of those things, she's getting fired by the NFL, guaranteed. So yeah, she doesn't need the job, she wants the job, and it really would be a blow to the ego if at the end result of her first assignment, she ends up being fired. Now she can get into a PR battle if she wants to, but you gotta think about future clients. It's not a good look for lawyers to start getting into PR battles with people who have paid them to do their legal work and there's a disagreement about how that work was done. Another one for PFT Ponson. How can will the NFL defend the different standards applied to players versus oligarchs when personal conduct policy clearly says it's held to a higher standard? I don't know. They should have never put it. I'm repeating myself, but I'm answering the question too. They should have never put that language in the personal conduct policy. What does it prove? You're writing a check that you have to honor at some point. I think in hindsight, they probably wish they just had a different personal conduct policy for people who aren't in the union. Another one from BOTP Unpost. Why do the Browns fans have to support and circle the wagons for Deshaun Watson? I'm a Cowboys fan and I regularly criticize slash stop watching their games when I disagree with their positions on certain football topics. Well, I'm not saying it's all Browns fans, but some Browns fans find themselves in a spot where they feel like, hey, look, this is my team. This is us. I'm supporting my team. My team has made this decision. I support it. I want Sean Watson to be the quarterback. We haven't had a quarterback like this ever since Otto Graham. Let's get on board with the idea that Deshaun's our guy. And now all these people are attacking our guy. They're attacking 
him. They're attacking us. They're attacking me. We're going to attack back. We don't like this. I get it. I think it's wrong for the Browns to put fans in that situation. This is a human nature response to the way a situation unfolds for someone who is already a fan, short for fanatic of the Cleveland Browns. So I understand why Browns fans are reacting the way they are. And I have to just shrug at it when, it when they come at me and say, I understand why you're doing what you're doing. It's not your fault. It's Jimmy Hassan's fault and it's Deshaun Watson's fault. It's Watson's fault for engaging in the behavior. It's Hassan's fault for not saying you got to settle these cases before you become a member of this team. And it's Watson's fault for not settling the cases before you became a member of the team because that put the burden at that point on the Browns fans who are inclined to defend him and the team no matter what, to defend him and the team no matter what. Neil watches PFT with the USFL Championship airing this weekend and Big announced that it will have a second season. Do you think it has a real shot to continue on indefinitely? Too early to be determined, Neil. XFL is coming back next year and it's coming back two months earlier. Is there enough space for two? I mean, this is the first spring league since the original XFL, not affiliated current XFL, uh, USFL, excuse me, since the original USFL to make it to a second season. The first XFL dead during the first year. XFL 2.0 dead during the first year. Not due to anything they did with the pandemic. AAF implodes during the first year. So this is a crawl, walk, walk a little more confidently, race walk, jog lightly, jog aggressively, run situation for the USFL. There's a long way to go here. It is a multi-year process. And I think the key is, Will the legalized betting market expand sufficiently enough to have enough people who want to bet on USFL games and therefore have skin in the game and want to watch them? That's the key. California is trying to get legalized gambling in place. Florida, Texas, get some of the big states to join all the other states. At some point, hey, we, we, want to, we, we got to bet. We want to bet. We want to bet on football. There's no football to bet on. Oh, wait, here's football. Here's XFL. Here's USFL. It, it basically becomes like a, a table at a casino. It's, it's an open table where you can go and bet. That's the key. Can they survive long enough for the legalized betting demand to drive the interest where the, the numbers go up, the ratings go up, the money goes up? That's the key, in my opinion. You know, watch the PFT again, apples and apples of what we know about each situation. And in light of the Deshaun Watson leak suspension of at least one year, what might the suspension would Kraft, Snyder, and Jones have faced if they were truly held to the same standard? I, we don't know enough about what they did, how they violated the rules to come to that final conclusion. I think this is a brilliant effort by the union not to try to get these guys in trouble. The idea is to minimize the punishment that would be ultimately imposed on Deshaun Watson. You know, watch this BFT with a football question arising out of the Sean Watson situation. Considering that Watson likely will not play this year, which team wins the AFC North? It's hard not to say the Bengals, but the Ravens are good. The Steelers are going to be better than people realize. And depending upon who the Browns get to play quarterback, they're good enough to be competitive too. Dr. J144, if you're a player on the Browns, are you angry that you're likely to waste a year or two of your career now playing with a backup quarterback? No offense to Jacoby Brissett. Zero chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Ownership traded for a guy who was unavailable and simultaneously made Baker angry. It's still to be determined. Now, there's a thought out there. Maybe they end up with Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe they do. If they find out sooner than later, Watson's out for the whole year. Maybe they do. So there's still a chance for this to work out. And you know there's a promise that Watson's coming eventually. 
NFL leagues, have you seen the Paul McCartney gig at 80 years old on Saturday? You should. It's incredible. I have not seen it. I will check it out. Neil wants PFT. How long do you think Snyder can essentially hide on his super yacht without appearing before Congress? This fascinates me. And I keep checking the time because we're having lunch here. The PFT crew is in town, and I'm supposed to meet them for lunch. I'm going to be tardy. I'm going to be late. Hopefully, they'll, they'll uh, get started without me, and I can catch up when I get there. But this whole super yacht thing, it occurred to me. I was on the score this morning with Molly and Ha, and they asked me about this issue with Daniel Snyder not accepting service of the subpoena. And there's this semantics argument between the U.S. House Oversight Committee. He won't accept service. He refuses to accept service, and Snyder's spokesperson saying he's not refusing to appear. Well, there's a middle ground there. He's not refusing to appear. I just haven't been subpoenaed yet. Well, I haven't accepted service. I'm on my yacht in the middle of nowhere. It's great to have a super yacht. I thought it was just a trophy. No, it's got a functional purpose. When the heat gets a little too hot, you get on your yacht, you pull up the anchor, and you go out to international waters, and you're untouchable. No summons. No subpoena, nothing, nothing. You don't have to worry about a process server showing up on your super yacht when you're out to sea. So brilliant by Daniel Snyder and maybe other owners who have a super yacht for the same reason. A Red Zone UK, aka Tom Marshall. Did you take a photo of the PFT gang together like uh, when all the head coaches get together? Bad night, yeah, maybe we need to do that tonight. I need to go get an Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt for the the uh, uh, photo. It, it will be not nearly as many people. It's just five, but uh, maybe we'll do that tonight. I, I, uh, that's, a, that's a good thought, Tom. All right, I got to wrap this up. Old Top 97, as a Texans fan, it's been a rough three years. Can you outline the difference between a well-run franchise and a dysfunctional one? How may a franchise get out of being dysfunctional? That is too complicated of a question to answer right here. Let me take that one under advisement maybe add it to a future PFTOT or write about it at some point. Uh, there, I do have some thoughts. It's just uh, not conducive to this setting, especially as I'm trying to, to wrap this up. Manuel Villa, a.k.a. Old Top 97, how would a potential injury to Watson in the offseason, preseason impact and suspension? Would he have to be cleared to return before serving or can his suspension take place while recovering from the injury? Yeah, I mean, if he would get injured in training camp, if he tears an ACL, for example, and is out for the year, I and mean, he gets suspended for the year, he just doesn't get paid. His contract gets pushed back a year. I don't think it factors into anything if he would get injured. I don't think they would say, well, you know, the year you were injured doesn't count. We're going to suspend you for another year. I think it would just be treated as simultaneous coincidence. At Lee Dale UK, hello from England with Deshaun Watson here. And just starting, how far can the NFLPA go? If there is clear evidence, he gets punished way more harshly than owners. Can they go to the real courts saying the NFL has broken its own rules? That, that is the challenge here. And that's what makes it very difficult. And I need to wrap on this. There's some other questions here, but uh, if I didn't get to your question, ask it again tomorrow. Um, but uh, what was the point? Oh, I think the NFLPA understands it's very difficult to go to court. The Tom Brady case, which ultimately failed, succeeded in federal court in Manhattan, failed at the U.S. Appeals Court for the Second Circuit, which has jurisdiction over New York and one or two other states. It became very clear through that opinion that the NFL's process can't be challenged in court. That's why Ezekiel Elliott in 2017 tried to file suit in Texas 
before the NFL could invoke jurisdiction in Manhattan, which would be subject, and this is what I was talking about earlier, past decisions become precedent, unless they don't, and they tie the hands of the court. What would have been argued, and what only was argued in New York, was, hey, the Brady case controls this one. There's nothing that can be done. Ezekiel Elliott tried to avoid that and initially was successful, but then the problem was he filed his lawsuit too early. So as long as the NFL has its paperwork ready and is ready to go to court to enforce its decision and files there in New York, as soon as it issues its decision, it's untouchable. The only sliver, the only chance to try to beat the NFL would be to pick a forum where you think the law is favorable to you and get the case filed the instant the decision is made by the NFL and before the NFL has filed its lawsuit. It's basically a race to the courthouse. Or you're going to be parked at the clerk's office and you're ready to get your case stamped as filed, if they still do it that way, the moment the decision is issued. And who's got the advantage there? If it comes down to that race, who's got the advantage? The advantage goes to the person who's making the decision. They can do it simultaneously. The moment the decision is issued, boom. They can't beat me. You can't beat me if you're trying to win the race. Hey, decision's entered. All right, file the, uh, file the, the lawsuit to defend the decision. So that's the problem. You can't win. And uh, whatever happens as a result of this process, I mean, they can try to go to court if they want to. Very slim chance of winning. So um, we'll see how it plays out. That's it for today. Appreciate the questions. Appreciate the time. We'll do it again tomorrow. And if you ask a question today, ask it again tomorrow. Look like there were some good ones there. Maybe I'll just go back and, and, and select the ones from today that I want to try to answer tomorrow, if I remember to do it. Tomorrow morning, who knows, it may be dragging a little bit. The PFT crew is going to be here, and there may be some, some alcoholic beverages consumed. But I will try to drink in moderation, because my duty is to you tomorrow. PFTOT. We'll see you then. Have a good Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.